Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. That's the Advertising Show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Welcome back for another weekend here. It's good to have you here at theadvertisingshow.com. Being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. As always, we promise you two hours of informative and entertaining stuff. Okay, and here's the stuff. You ready? Patrick Meyer, uh, Virgin Vines. Now, what could that be? Well, I guess we'll find out here shortly as well. Joe Jaffe is back with us, uh, <laughs> not this hour, but next hour. And, Brad, this was pulled on a, uh, a student at the University of uh, Texas uh, at Austin. It's a TiVo lottery joke, and uh, hmm. Joe has his take on that as well. Um, Jeffrey Gittimer, as always, fun to have with us. We've got um, Andy Borowitz feature. Andy is a humorist and a funny guy. Of course, if you're a humorist, you ought to be a funny guy. Uh, the Wacky World of Marketing, uh, let's see, uh, Brazilian slums we're going to talk about today. God only knows what that is. Uh, advertising as well is coming up a little bit later on this hour. And we almost forgot, and this is happy hour this weekend out mm-hmm. in California. Uh, it's uh, Jeffrey Diskin with us. So if Jeff has had a few too many to drink, well, that's the way it goes. Senior Vice President, Brand Management, Hilton Hotels. And uh, he'll be with us for uh, both hours as well. So he's providing, yeah. uh, responsible, that is, for providing strategic brand direction for the Hilton full-service brand. And uh, that, that's a big job he's got there. So anyway, so how are you doing? Well, doing great. I've been practicing the uh, the Jeffrey the Jeff Diskin uh, signature, hoping to be able to comp from now on when you and I go to a Hilton of our choice. Just sign his name and put comp, and you know I'm sure it'll go through. We could just say we're friends of Jeff's, and that might work too. What do you? Well, think? It'll, we'll try that. Try that uh, maybe here next weekend. What do you say? <laughs> I think that's a good idea. You Let's know this kind of. T- well, it ties in a little bit with our uh, advertising, which uh, is going to to be a, indirectly about satellite radio. But XM Satellite uh, uh, Radio announced recently, Ray, plans to carry advertising on four channels programmed by radio giant Chan- uh, Clear Channel, which uh, certainly is a setback for XM, which has promoted its content as commercial-free. Up until this point, XM's move to adopt advertising may be intended to shore up investor confidence in the company. You know, it was recently mentioned that the uh, director, uh, uh, Pierce uh, Roberts, disc- uh, apparently was uh, decided to leave, uh, and that was disclosed in the annual filing recently. Roberts uh, struck an ominous uh, note in his resignation, uh, writing that given the current course and speed, in his view, a significant change of a uh, crisis is on the horizon, meaning for XM. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, XM's competitor, Sirius, uh, announced it was rolling out four new talk shows, uh, Ray, uh, entertainment channels, I should say, talk entertainment channels, Fox News and Talk being one, Blue Collar Comedy, Cosmo Radio, and certainly your favorite, Ray, the Playboy channel. Yeah, right, whatever. 
<laughs> on the radio. Yeah, right. Uh, the Playboy Channel on the radio. That must be for the people who actually do read the articles. Then. Well, it's going to be yeah, something like right. this. Did you hear her boobs? No, I don't think that would be like that, but that's no? fine. No, it's specifically the articles. Yeah. I can see that. And, uh, you know, on that same line, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play uh, uh, Patrick Meyer's feature right now. But when we get back, I want to talk a little bit more about XM and Sirius and, uh, and what happened this past week on David Letterman. Let's listen. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. If you are a progressive marketer in your office, on the wall, should be a poster of Richard Branson. He is the most innovative, most break-the-rules marketer ever. Today I'm going to talk to you about another Richard Branson break-the-rules move. It's called Virgin Vines. Imagine a bottle that on the front says Virgin Vines, and underneath it in small print says, Dare to, dot, 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 over. You flip it over, and in the back it says, Dare to, enjoy the wine without commenting on hints of lavender or honeydew or perfecting your swirl, sniff, slurp action. Virgin Vines believes wine should be more about loving every sip. Drop the hints of elderberry chit-chat and pitch the food pairing guide. Simply drink this cool, crisp white with something or someone you find delicious. P.S. If you feel the need to describe this wine as tight with great austerity, we suggest you lie down until the feeling passes. My friends, no one's ever done this before when it comes to wine marketing. Another piece of Virgin Vines is they have a twist-off cap, but the way they've positioned it, it's not a negative, although those people in the know know that there's nothing wrong with a twist-off cap, but they found in their research that something like 68% of people don't have a corkscrew at home, so they've actually highlighted the twist-off as a positive. But what they're really trying to do is to drive penetration of wine by bringing new people who don't have corkscrews to enjoy this wine in a simple way. A pretty complex category made simple. So listen to what Branson's got going on here. He's coming in with the right brand, with brand imagery, but also at attractive value. He's doing it in a simple way that fits for those people who do not know wine. So he's simplifying a problem. And he's doing it in a way that's totally virgin and builds off the virgin equity. So the message to the advertising and marketing world should be a little bit of Branson should be in everything that we do. Closer to the consumer, breaking the rules, coming forward with a new solution. I'm Patrick Meyer. And remember, the marketing revolution is now. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. And there's one time that I'm not sure I totally agree uh, with Patrick. Uh, Why is that? Well, Twist Off Caps, they tried that with Boone's Farm, and uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That, well, that's it's interesting. A- that's just a uh, you know truly a misnomer uh, on the uh, on the on the corks you know if you can get past the cork yeah, and and do a twist uh, twist off it's not a bad way to go but unfortunately the consumers Ray you're right the consumer well, yeah, the consumer the people who want to buy it are well, the biggest turtle but unfortunately the consumers don't aren't educated enough to realize that a twist off on most wines that aren't uh, crafted to age anyway. Uh, that are truly meant to be drunk young uh, could be a way to go, and you could uh, you could avoid uh, problems with cork spoiling wine and other issues. But that's for wine talk, which we'll save for next week. It's wine talk here at the yeah. advertising show. Okay, David Letterman this past <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, let's the, hear about uh, on this, the, Ray. Uh, on the uh, Late Show with David yeah. Letterman, uh, uh, Howard Stern was there. Right. And uh, did you happen to see it? I, I, I T-voted, and I haven't viewed it yet. I hate Les Moonves, a T-shirt complete with a picture of the CBS chief and his wife, early show co-host Julie Chen. And uh, basically, he uh, 
Uh, he said, I believe you're working for one of the biggest jerks on the planet. <laughs> Stern, I'm not going to let Les Moonves uh, do to me what he did to Dan. Rather, uh, when Letterman brings up Moonves' success at CBS, Stern shouts back, don't defend him, he'll sue you next. <laughs> and uh, the man, it was weird. It was absolutely weird to you see saw this it, guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. To yeah. see this guy on television, uh, it's like, why? Howard, why did you go on there and do that? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was awkward, odd, and uh, just basically weird. The corporate statement, we did not stand in the way of Howard appearing on our own airwaves. We believe his appearance was his desperate attempt to distract attention from the facts of the case. Hmm. So, there we go. That's, uh, well, he's, he's been on Letterman plenty before, and uh, i got to tell you, he's stressed out. you got to believe it, right, Ray? Yeah, and I heard, uh, I think it was, uh, he got a nose job or something as well, which is real really? interesting. So, hmm. anyway, uh, I want to talk later this hour about the Al Jazeera television channel, English language channel. Can you believe that? Seven of you may. In just a minute, we're going to bring on our special guest for this hour and next hour. His name is uh, Jeff Diskin, elected senior vice president of brand management for Hilton Hotels. And we're looking forward to it. We hope you are, too. So stay with the advertising show here at theadvertisementshow.com with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for Ford. Standing on the corner, watching all the Fords go by. Classic spot as we enter uh, the interview segment here on The Advertising Show, the four lads for Ford. See, they were using real songs back then to promote the product as well. This is nothing new. It's Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth, and uh, our special guest out of Los Angeles this weekend is Jeffrey Diskin, elected senior VP brand management for the Hilton Hotels in 04. Uh, his position, in his position, uh, Jeff is responsible for providing strategic brand direction for the Hilton Full Service brand, uh, targeting market share growth, meeting revenue targets, overall brand positioning. He also cleans occasionally brand marketing, establishing and maintaining brand standards. And prior to that, as a senior VP, uh, Jeff served as president and chief uh, operating officer of the Hilton Honors Worldwide and was responsible for uh, worldwide marketing and operations of the award-winning Hilton. Is it H Honors, Jeff? Is that what it, it is? It's just Honors. Okay, because in your bio it's got... There's two H's, but the first H is silent, kind of a honors. Well, here's here's (laughs) the thing. Get rid of it, okay? He joined the Hilton Hotels Corporation in 89 as manager of business programs, later promoted to director of business programs for the company prior to joining Hilton with 1H. Uh, Jeff held a variety of account service, customer service, and creative management positions at MPI, which is called Marketing, Performance, and Innovation of Subsidiary of United Airlines. And so we're out of time, Jeff. Yeah, uh, was nice talking long. to you, Jeff. Have a good day. <laughs> well, that was fun. Yeah. Thank your mother for the uh, bio. No problem. And, and yeah. fix very that. I'm very proud. If you do spell check, it's going to come up every time, okay? It's going to say, what the heck is honors? <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the advertising show, Jeff. Great to be here, guys. Yeah, uh, Jeff, for our audience, uh, jump on in and describe your role as Senior Vice President of Brand Performance uh, for Hilton. What what would be uh, uh, your responsibilities real quickly? Well, pretty much just uh, covers off uh, from who gets to be a Hilton to what they have to do in terms of maintaining the physical property of a a hotel, the services and programs that they provide for the guests, and then, of course, all the marketing and communications surrounding how we would then communicate to travelers uh, what it is that we have to offer. So it's a soup-to-nuts kind of job. Uh, 
but that was probably a little bit shorter than the bio. Yeah, it should, and yeah, we've noted that for next hour intro. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, so, sort out, sort out for us, if you would, Jeff, uh, the various brand names under the Hilton Hotel portfolio. Well, the Hilton family of hotels encompasses uh, nine different brands at the moment, uh, and that family would be uh, Hilton, of course, Conrad Hotels, DoubleTree, Embassy Suites Hotels, Hampton Inns, Hilton Garden Inns, Hilton Grand Vacations, which is a timeshare product, and Homewood Suites by Hilton. And then our most recent addition is the Waldorf Astoria Collection. So those are the nine brands that uh, Hilton Hotels Corporation operates. Wow. And then I'm responsible for everything having to do with the mother brand, the Hilton brand, and then also do the the marketing of that family of brands when they market themselves together for things like our Olympic sponsorship or the Hilton Honors Program or uh, we have a new uh, campaign that's just recently launched called Be Hospitable. So if we asked you to say something like, we'll leave the light on for you, you probably wouldn't say that, huh? Well, that's not, uh, we, we will leave the light on for you if that's what you want, but uh, <laughs> we won't put that in our advertising I got campaign. you, right. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned uh, uh, Waldorf Astoria, Manhattan's uh, uh, well-known property, Hilton Hotel, since 1949. The idea to create a chain of luxury hotels under the Waldorf Astoria brand has been in the news lately. Talk a little bit about how this idea came about, Jeff. Well, uh, it came about as a great way for us to uh, make a more strategic uh, uh, entry into the luxury segment. The Waldorf Astoria brand is an iconic brand that, or the hotel is an iconic hotel that people really know it to, to be a luxury, unique experience. And so this was a way that we could, one, look at new development opportunities in, you know, key city center uh, destinations around the globe for that kind of a, of a unique experience hotel. And then the collection itself uh, is a way that we could take uh, individual properties, hotels that actually have some of their own brand equity and put them into, under that umbrella. So things like the uh, Arizona Biltmore or La Quinta out in Palm Springs and uh, or uh, the Grand Wailea in uh, Maui. Those are three hotels that we just uh, launched the collection with. And so now we're looking at comparable you know, luxury hotels that we could uh, include into the umbrella of the Waldorf Astoria collection. That's neat. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and suggest that perhaps there might be a risk a bit in exploiting the cachet of a single hotel like Waldorf Astoria. And in particular, you know, since when you think uh, Waldorf, you immediately think of Park Avenue and, and the unique characteristics of that historical yeah, How, to, how to replicate that elsewhere? Safely. Well, I, I think that there might be. And, and, Jeff, I'm sure there was a lot of internal uh, discussion about this, but I would think there would be a huge concern over diluting the Waldorf brand or a potential problem with other properties and therefore risking the flagship property in terms of its brand. Uh, it, was there some struggle with this? Well, there's, I mean, uh, there's a commitment to ensuring that anything that's going to bear the Waldorf Astoria name is is going to be live up to the unique characteristics of it. We, we don't, uh, in terms of actually branding hotels Waldorf Astoria, those will only be uh, new build hotels that are absolutely meet the specifications of of that unique Waldorf experience. Right. You know, with so you know, we feel comfortable that we're not going to in any way, shape, or form uh, compromise the the brand name that is the Waldorf Astoria. And then in the collection itself, where we're adding these other, you know, the Grand Wailea has brand equity of its own. Mm-hmm. We, the Hilton family of hotels, those nine brands I was just describing, could be much stronger in the luxury segment in terms of providing a complete strategic, you know, from you want, uh, you know, a, a focused service experience that's of high quality, like at a Hampton Inn, of which there are 1,300 of them, all the way on up the ladder in terms of price point and experience to something like the Grand Wailea, 
this was a way that we could ha- add those types of hotels that have their own individual equity and marry them into the Hilton family of hotels underneath the Waldorf Astoria collection. So Turns the Grand Wailea retains its its name, and it's just as part of the Waldorf Astoria collection. So that's where we have to be very judicious about which hotels, which resorts we would you know let come into that uh, collection. Uh, but obviously they're they're part of the collection and wouldn't be branded as a Waldorf Astoria hotel. Only a very select few, primarily new build hotels, would ever be called a Waldorf Astoria. Yeah, no, I got that. I was just thinking that. Uh, well, let me back up. Will the name Waldorf uh, Astoria be uh, on signage and so forth, or is that just going to be part of your marketing? Or how are you going to handle that? It's going to be more part of the marketing, and it will include. You know, there's there's very specific things in our industry when you're you know. You sell your inventory via intermediaries or through travel agents and the like. So those hotels will be able to be found via a, a Waldorf Astoria collection uh, chain code. So it makes it very easy for them to be in that. They'll be included in our Hilton Honors program so that, that folks who are, are earning points will be able to earn points at those stays in those hotels and will be referenced as part of the Waldorf Astoria collection. But the signage in the, the resorts and the hotels themselves will be primarily consist of, of the existing brand name. Well, you okay. cleared that up because I've, I got this sense, and I was wrong in sensing this, that I would pull up to the Grand Wiley and it would say Waldorf Astoria Grand Wiley as opposed to the way it currently reads. Uh, you know, on a uh, and I just want I like to just tangle with you a little bit, Jeff, and you'd held yourself well on that, I might add. Oh, I uh, love the <laughs> Well, and and uh, I think I, 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 the only point I want to make is is that when you, as you well know, you extend your brand name, that's known as one property to other properties, and depending on the level of that extension, sometimes if it's done in a, a big way, uh, all it would take would be a, a stumble or two by some of these uh, outlying properties, and all of a sudden that ends up. Uh, uh, affecting the uh, the mother load, so to speak, and well, you, you cleared you that's cleared absolutely that absolutely certain. I mean, and one yeah. thing you know, we pride ourselves in being you know uh, a brand centric organization, and if you look at it and at the, the the consistency of the product and the way they're you know marketed in an embassy suites and the Hampton Inns and and Hilton Garden Inns, uh, you know it's the same thing in this this particular model. So that's one of the things we pride ourselves on us being judicious about maintaining the, the equity within the brand and the, the guest experience. Well, Ray, yeah, I right want, to remind, uh, want to remind you that our guest uh, at the advertising show uh, stay at the Hilton Hotels. Okay? Yes, it's true. this weekend, okay? <laughs> uh, our special guest, Jeff Diskin, who is uh, Senior Vice President of Brand Performance at Hilton Hotels. Go to Hilton.com. Probably been there. Uh, a lot of great properties around the world. And uh, we've got uh, more to come with Jeff. Uh, so Jeff will tell you to hold on for just a minute with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. And uh, in just a minute, we're going to find out, I mean, very shortly, find out uh, through the wacky world of marketing uh, with our executive producer, Bruce Abbott, about Brazilian slums. And they're not talking hotels, okay, Jeff? Back in just a minute with more on The Advertising Show. And now it's time for the wacky world of marketing. Wacky world of marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our wacky update heads to Brazil, where a bed and breakfast in the heart of a Brazilian slum has become an unlikely success with tourists. B&B Favalena has been completely booked up since opening its doors in Rio de Janeiro's Pereira da Silva slum. Owner Andrea Martins says, we're having to turn lots of people down, we're so full. This place is not for the fragile or the weak. If you worry, you better stay somewhere else. In fact, one night at the B&B in a room overlooking the whole slum costs about 20 pounds. The police spokesperson says the slum is a calm one, but even so, it's crazy. 
And so many people want to stay in this B&B. I guess some people want to have dangerous experiences. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Pee-wee Reese has a way with Dodger rookies or sandlot youngsters. Pee-wee, you do a lot of work with boys. Not work, Al. I like baseball and kids. I enjoy helping teenagers start right. There you go. That's a, a, a nice endorsement by a famous celebrity uh, to connect it with a brand. A classic spot in the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. And so uh, our special guest, uh, Jeffrey uh, Diskin out of Los Angeles, Senior Vice President of Brand Performance at the Hilton Hotels. So, Jeffrey, when you call your hotels, do you actually get live people to talk to? Is, uh, this is a, a good thing. Absolutely. That's one of the things. Yeah, they're live people, and uh, they, they dance around, do whatever you need. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Jeffrey's dancing as we speak. This is wonderful. Welcome back to the Advertising Show. Thanks, guys. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, your new reignition uh, ad campaign. There seems to be uh, a great deal of money that you guys are throwing around. Am I reading this uh, this uh, figure correctly in terms of your budget for this campaign? Well, if you're reading the figure, one billion dollars. I think I am. One billion dollars. Uh, if only that could, as, as marketers have been actually spent on the ad campaign, um, the billion dollars is all, is a. The combination of the the expenditure put into our hotels, because uh, out of the 240 some Hilton hotels in North America, about 145 of them have just recently undergone uh, dramatic renovations in their rooms, and then also in the uh, public space. And so, as a result, um, the uh, that billion dollars is referring mostly to that. Although our new ad campaign does cite for the first time in 10 years that we're back on television and network TV and the like. Uh, uh, we wanted to start giving some people a reason to to reconsider Hilton, and you know everybody knows that Hilton's a hotel, but we needed to do something a little bit different to stand out and differentiate ourselves versus uh, the other hospitality industry advertising, but also try and make an emotional connection with people so that they'd have a reason to find out more about what's going on at Hilton, find out about that billion dollars worth of investment or some of the new uh, partnerships that we've created and, and enhancements in the guest experience. And well, you've, got, you've got separate advertising as well for uh, the individual properties, uh, uh, correct? Right. Well, we uh, we do um, advertising for the Hilton. Each of our individual nine brands uh, advertise themselves. Uh, so you, you get individual double-tree advertising. They, in fact, just recently launched a new campaign that includes uh, broadcast and Hilton brand and embassy. So we all advertise the individual brands themselves, and then we do advertise them together. Uh, everything I just described was for the Hilton brand, so those hotels that say Hilton on them, uh, as apart from an embassy suites and the like. Although we just recently did do a new campaign for the Hilton family of brands uh, that's called Be Hospitable. And again, it's something that uh, we're proud of, the fact that it's kind of a ch- reaching for the higher order, connecting with people on a more emotional kind of gut level about, you know, how how uh, we can all be a little bit more hospitable to one another. And that's what they would expect to find at any one of those nine great brands. 
Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, Take You Places campaign. Uh, sure. I I must tell you that we feature, and regular listeners know, we feature uh, both the Advertiser Showcase and Advertising each week, and uh, the Hilton campaign for uh, that is was created by YNR. It truly, could be an outstanding example of of a great uh, a great campaign. And I'm not saying that just because you're our guest today. I noticed that uh, in the Wall Street Journal, you had three of these. Uh, uh, ads that are very simply uh, designed, yet they have a, a nice graphic and a nice color that gets carried uh, carried along with it, and they have a, a, a point, and that is the fact that travel is more than just uh, going from A to B and that it should lead to new heights uh, or feed your mind or reflect your spirit, whatever the case may be. How did you guys decide upon the stacking of the three ads vertically uh, on top of one another as a media strategy? Well, that seemed to be for us, you know, in, in terms of the way we've tiered our, our advertising, you know, broadcast communications, we wanted to build integrity between the print campaign and the broadcast experience. So in the broadcast experience, we have the A to B, which is an animated feature spot where the line that runs from A to B transforms itself into a dancing couple, into a, a couple watching a sunset, into a father and a daughter, you know, creating a sandcastle on the beach, for example. And then it, you know, describes that travel should take you places to a place of enlightenment or inspiration. When we looked then at how we wanted to use the print portion of the campaign, we wanted to keep the integrity of that A to B line, but then also to build on it and communicate a little bit more about the specifics of, of what we had to provide. So the A to B might include uh, the line creating an apple, as you might have seen, and then it will talk about our fitness uh, facilities or our, our eat right healthy menus that are available in all of our hotels where the line creates a laptop and then would be able to talk about the business services. So when we were working through that process, we thought there was a great, better utilization than take that kind of space that you would buy in the Wall Street Journal typically, and instead of just promoting one message with one kind of component, that we could do those uh, <clears throat> those ads in a way that we could do three on a column, bookending the page, and communicate three different sort of thoughts about what travel should enable you to do, whether that's be productive, whether that's feel relaxed, whether that's pampered. And then, and then have it, you know, uh, pay off with the specific things that we deliver. And so, we we did that approach with both the Wall Street Journal and USA Today. And uh, we, you know, it's like anything else in advertising. And some of the great spots you feature on your show there, it's designed to break through. There's so many other things going out there. The use of the color, the simple, you know, uh, line drawing feature there makes it stand out. And then hopefully the message is appealing enough again to get people to click on the website. And uh, we, we actually built a, a very experiential, deep, rich website uh, that I'd love to talk about uh, called HiltonJourneys.com, where yeah, well, people go uh, to and get more information about it. Right. I was just going to mention that uh, for any of our listeners from an advertising standpoint, not not necessarily to book a room, although you could. Uh, <laughs> Hilt- Might as well, <laughs> as long as you're there. HiltonJourneys.com will show you a lot of what we're talking about here. And There's a link uh, on the website at Hilton.com, I would assume. Yes, you can get there from Hilton.com or go direct to HiltonJourneys.com. And, and like you said, you know, you, you can book a room from there, but it really is designed to just be an immersive. It's designed to be fun and playful. And, and you, what you get is the songs that are featured in our, our, our broadcast campaign using contemporary artists like you know, James Blunt and Jason Raz and Ben Fold. Back in just a minute with more. And uh, we're going to have uh, Jeff back with us next hour here on the Advertising Show. So stay with us. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. 
Once upon a time there was an engineer. Choo Choo Charlie was his name, we hear. He had an engine and he sure had fun. That's Brad's nickname as a small child. Uh, mm-hmm. Choo Choo. Yeah. All right. Brad Choo Choo Forsyth. Take that hat off. We have uh, <laughs> uh, that we have our special guest, Jeff Diskin, back with us uh, next hour. Senior Vice President, Brand Performance, Hilton Hotels. He'll have more stories to tell. Mm-hmm. And uh, he even sent along to the show today uh, a couple of bars of soap and some towels. That's so nice. And a voucher. That's wonderful. And a free voucher, which I thought was nice. A free voucher, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And a robe, too. I think mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Very nice robe. We talked uh, before about Al Jazeera. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the title. The New York Sun, right? What is the New York Sun? That's uh, kind of a, yeah. Okay. Al Jazeera <laughs> finds hurdles in bid to air in U.S. No. Really? Al Jazeera's new English language channel, set to debut in May, Good Luck, is already enraging some critics who fear it will become a mouthpiece for terrorists. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for the moment, the fledgling network faces a bigger challenge, whether Americans will be able to see it at all. Well, I hope they won't. With executives mm-hmm. at the, uh, the the Qatar-based broadcaster uh, pushing hard to get Al Jazeera, not to be confused with Al Jiro, uh, international on the air, there is still no word of deals to secure cable or satellite distribution in the United States and America. The network, staffed largely by veteran Western journalists, was supposed to launch in March, but the target date was recently pushed back. How about if you just push it back all the way? Yeah. All the way to uh, you-know-where. Yeah. So, is that well, weird or what? It is weird. And, you know, there was a lingerie manufacturer, Al Bazera, that used to uh, <laughs> used to come out with uh, various uh, sundry of items. No, uh, you know, it's I, first of all, they're not going to get a cable network uh, slot. I mean, it's tough enough if you had like a real program. Yeah. But uh, you know, you know. On the other hand, if you want to see that stuff, uh, you go online. You can see it all day long uh, with the way the uh, internet uh, has made get, our world smaller. Yes. Yeah, I even get mad when they cover it on the. It's like, go away, quit doing that yeah. for these people. It's well, just one challenge to winning distribution in America is whether. Uh, AJI can overcome its reputation. <laughs> well, what do you think? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to get home real quick. Why? Al Jazeera's sixty minutes is coming on. Yeah. 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 Al Jazeera well, and Son. Yeah. The Al Jazeera you know, show. Another thing that will irritate you, as I know it irritates me, Ray. Yeah, a group straight Al Jazeera. Well, you're, thank you for the lead-in. You, you, you're looking over my shoulder here. A group of nineteen conservative groups recently reinstated a boycott of Ford Motor Company uh, because the automaker backed away from a pledge to stop advertising in publications aimed at gays and uh, lesbians. The proposed year-long boycott is led by Tupelo, Mississippi-based American Family Association. I'm sorry, American Family Association. Uh, The group said uh, on its website, it's tired, I'm sorry, it's tried every avenue open to get Ford to stop their promotion of homosexuality. Now, they're just advertising in these publications that are already existing. I don't know that they're right, right. promoting uh, homosexuality. You know, last Sunday, 60 Minutes or NBC's Dateline, I can't remember which, uh, one of those Sunday news magazine programs, yeah. they're, they're now realizing scientists are, are, are coming up with a re, uh, an awareness that it's not a genetic thing. I mean, that it's a, a genetic thing and not a... Uh, a nurture issue when it comes to sexual preference, and I think when they eventually, you know, realize that uh, people are are born gay and they're not choosing to be gay, and uh, you know uh, that that these groups that tend to take uh, take aim at uh, 
gays and lesbians. I think lesbians are gay too, but they right. but they want their own name. Yeah. But uh, but when they realize that it's more of a genetic thing and not a uh, not a choice. Uh, I, I don't know. This kind of irritates me. Well, who, are, who are these people to say that Ford can't uh, market their service, their uh, products to uh, to gays and lesbians? Why, why can't they? Uh, yeah, uh, good point. Uh, I mean, it should be their choice, just as they might market their products uh, through uh, Hispanic or, or African-American media. Well, you know, what are you going to do? Right, you, exactly. you should have that option as a company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you really should. Uh, and it but, takes a company from Tupelo, Mississippi, American Family Association. You better be careful now, Brad, okay? Well, They know well, where you're at, okay? Well, <laughs> I live near you if you're looking for me. I moved. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving, moving to Tupelo. Tupelo. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway. That, that's that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really. It, yeah, but it certainly has derailed uh, Ford Motor Company's. Oh, man, they're in the toilet now. Nineteen conservative groups have taken them down. Yeah. I'm not buying my Jag next week. So if you're a car advertiser, uh, tread lightly. Would that be a good way to put it? I guess. Well, I don't, if, if you're a car advertiser, I would say get in every gay and lesbian magazine and yellow pages you can get into. <laughs> and there, goes, there goes automotive advertising right down yeah, the right. toilet. Right. Oh, how very interesting. We've got. No, uh, I think it's. I think it's your option. Period is yeah. the way it should be. I right? think you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. We have uh, more on the way. We've got, of course, uh, Jeff back with us next hour on the advertising show and a whole bunch more, too. Joe Jaffe's going to be with us and uh, Jeffrey Gittimer and uh, who else? Andy Boyle. Advertising. Yeah, well, that's next. That's the next hour I was talking about. But uh, advertising is coming up next with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. I'm Ewell Gibbons. Many consider me an expert on natural foods like cattails. Yes, they're edible. I, I suppose if you put a cattail uh, with a good dip, it would be good. You know, They'll kill you. Yeah, yeah. well, eventually, yeah, as a matter <laughs> of fact. Uh, you know, cattail with maybe like a spinach dip or some, <laughs> some uh, sharp cheddar and a glass of bread would be great. Oh, yeah. So uh, we've got uh, more with Jeff uh, next hour. Um, I also want to talk, after your, uh, your feature here of advertising, about Got Cows, Okay. <laughs> we haven't worked that enough into the ground, but uh, here we go. Right. Uh, we look at the good and the bad, the upside and the downside of advertising, and it's not so good this week. And now it's time for the bad advertising item of the week. You know, it had to happen. What right. is it? What is it that you have? Well, you know, we you mentioned we talked about satellite radio at the beginning of the show, and uh, we I have an X a, a not XM. I have a a black and white quarter-page ad that came from, let me look real, Wall Street Journal. By the way, next hour, uh, next week we're going to have Brian Steinberg on from the Wall Street Journal. That's right. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but we have uh, a black-and-white ad that is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Ray. That's okay. Uh, we have a black-and-white ad that is a shot of the... some water. Well, thank you. Here, let me take a drink. <laughs> Well, that stuff will kill you too. Yeah. The there's uh, an it's an outer space shot of what's presumably is the Earth, and you have a headline satellite your life. You have uh, a little satellite uh, radio that's kind of uh, drawing, and it says X one. I'm sorry, E1XM, $500, today's most advanced radio technology meets tomorrow's design. And it's by Eton, E-T-O-N. Have you ever heard of that company, Ray? No. Uh-uh. 
Apparently, it's a company that makes, uh, among other things, a satellite radio. Okay. Uh, not just for your car, but this is, would be the kind for your, your home. Sure. Well, w- when you go online, which they, they – the, other than that, it's a very simple ad, and it just has the website and a little drawing of the, of, the, uh, of the radio and what I just read. And then it says reinventing radio. And so you go to etoncorp, C-O-R-P, E-T-O-N, corp.com. And so when you go there – you see, you look it up, and you click on past the home page, and you get to this page that shows the E1 XM AM FM shortwave and XM satellite radio. And you've got places where you can uh, uh, purchase this, which are little icons off to the right. Well, when you click on to these icons, uh, two out of the five on the where to buy uh, sites go actually directly to the uh, – website itself. I'm, I'm sorry. Go only two of the five, I should say, of the links. And one is Circuit City. Another one is the Sharper Image. Another right, one is right. NPR Shop. But only two of the five links there go to the actual page where you can buy this particular radio. The other three out of five go to just the home page of those websites. You have to navigate the entire... And it's not that difficult to put a link that goes directly to the product page. But what's interesting is when you click onto the shopping cart for this particular company, sure. Eton, yeah. here's, what it, here's what it reads. And we've, we've been critical of this before. And again, this is a quarter-page ad in a national publication, Wall Street Journal. Uh, shopping cart, you click on to the etoncorp.com website, sh- uh, want to buy it from them, well, click on the shopping cart. It says, our Eton e-commerce site is temporarily under construction and oh, will be great. available in the next few weeks. Oops. If you'd like to order uh, an order for any of our products, please call our toll-free number and it lists the, fo- the phone number. So, Oops. you know, w- yeah, once again, they spent some money. The ad's okay. It's all right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the ad. But they spent some money that's obviously about driving traffic to their website. And when you go to their website, two things are broken. Number one, the, the, th- the five places that you can purchase uh, this particular unit, only two of the five go directly to the web page of that particular online retailer. Three out of the five take you to the home page, which means you've got to navigate through the whole the whole website themselves, which right, most people right. I don't think would. And number two, if you want to buy from them, Eton Corporation, uh, you can't because they are temporarily under construction on their e-commerce page. Right. So, Ray, they're wasting some money, don't you think? Well, a little bit. Yeah. But somebody said, no, nah, don't worry about it. We'll just have somebody call. It'll be fine. Could and it? I just, mean, you, they, not, they haven't wasted a little bit of money. They've wasted every nickel that they spent on advertising. Right. It, it kind of makes you wonder if a company this size, and this was an in-house ad uh, by Eton, but it, it would make you wonder, uh, are they not communicating to one another the, the technology side of their business with the marketing side? Did they run this ad early and not, uh, and not give a heads up to the uh, people in charge of their website? Obviously, somebody was not talking to somebody. Yeah, I think not. So anyway, that's our uh, advertising item of the week, Eton Corporation, E-T-O-N, corp.com to learn more. Maybe the uh, e-commerce page is working by now. Who knows? Well, go check it out. I, I, I'd put money on the fact that it probably isn't working. I would, I would agree with you. Probably not. But yeah. if it is and you want to send Ray and I a satellite radio, that's up to you. That's okay. That'd be fine. Nah, no, no, we nah. don't want that. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a good example of uh, not having all your ducks in a row when you get ready to do some marketing. Hey, by the way, uh, I want to talk about the AdvertisingShow.com real quick. Um, it is a great resource, and you're probably listening to the Advertising Show either on a podcast 
or on RSS, or maybe you're listening live uh, to the show, uh, broadcast uh, 5 to 7 uh, Eastern on, on Sunday, okay? But here's the thing. The uh, whole site is made possible and all of the neat gadgets and the RSS and the podcast feeds made possible by uh, Ed Schippel and his team uh, in the Houston market, Schippel.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. And uh, not only do they do a lot of the fancy tricks for the AdvertisingShow.com website, but they do it for a lot of other businesses as well uh, all around the world. I want to invite you to go uh, check it out, and you can talk to Ed personally. You know, he has no gatekeeper. He sometimes answers the phone. That's what kind of a company it is. What a... Great thing to see there. They've also got a thing called Tenancy. Shippel uh, is a web marketing company. So if you're going to get a website up there, speaking of websites, maybe the people at Eaton should have gotten one from Ed, and it would have worked. You know? Mm-hmm. What can I say? So it's, it's S-C-H-I-P-U-L dot com, Shippel dot com. And talk to Ed. And, uh, tell him you heard it here on the advertising show. And that's Ed, E-D. Ed, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Dot C-O-M. Yeah. We uh, will be back with more from Jeff, J-E-F-F, uh, uh, Diskin, uh, Senior Vice President of Brand Performance at Hilton Hotels, Hilton.com. What was the website for the uh, the other thing? Yeah, let me look real quick. That is uh, Hilton Journeys with an S, HiltonJourneys.com. Hilton yeah. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. go there, too, and check that out, too. But Jeff is back with us next hour and a whole bunch more, too, as we continue uh, the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here at TheAdvertisingShow.com. Advertising Show is being brought to you today and every weekend by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Don't forget to go to our website, theadvertisingshow.com, for a whole bunch of stuff. This is a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. It is hour number two of the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising show, a big radio midgets production. Back with us this hour is Jeff Diskin, who is the senior vice president of brand performance of the Hilton Hotels. We'll have Jeff for a couple of segments. Also have for you momentarily, uh, Joe Jaffe's A Different Perspective. And this is a funny story, although kind of a dangerously funny story about TiVo. It's a TiVo lottery joke. You've probably heard it before, but you'll hear it again today. Jeffrey Gittimer selling versus asking questions. What do you do out there? Andy Borowitz, too. Uh, did you hear, Brad, that this past week Michael Chertoff hasn't had a good year so far? He mm. locked himself out of his building, uh, and he forgot the code. So uh, Andy has that for us as well. Didn't hear that. No. There's an ad here. Um, oh, what is it? Uh, it says, New Got Milk Ad Efforts Breaks in Weekly World News. Uh, and mm. the, this... They're dressing up a cow to make them look like a cow's um, from outer space, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, the cow looks like it's wearing a KKK uh, uh, shroud. <laughs> Come uh, on. No, I'm not kidding. It's like, what are you guys thinking about? Um, the milk industry hopes to capture consumer attention with its cows from outer space theme. Okay? Could you see that getting presented at the creative meeting? You want to what? Uh, mysterious cow abductions. The new effort begins with a story seated in supermarket tabloid World uh, Weekly World News. The story headline: Have you seen this cow? Mysterious cow abductions 
Shock California Dairyman. Uh, the piece hmm. is highlighted. There's a website, weeklyworldnews.com, which also asks readers to send in photos of abducted cows. Well, how can you do that if they're abducted? Nowhere is there a mention of the Got Milk uh, sponsorship, although the website has branded Got Milk ad on its homepage. So hmm. uh, check that out. It's really weird. Well, like, what are you guys doing? Maybe they were abduct- abducted to uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. Well, that's true. Well, you're really well, hung up on that today, aren't you? Well, I am. Okay. I can't. I can't shake it loose. You know, I Won't was holding be driving up. through that town <laughs> in the near State. future. Yeah, you know that's where Elvis was uh, born. Yes, he was, and so yes. was the lady who sang the movie. Uh, um, Bobby Gentry was her name. Uh, forget oh the, yeah, I forget the name of the song though. Well, you know, they say the memory is the second thing to go. That's when right. you get old. That's why hey, I remember uh, the song. The, the, uh, I've been holding Billy, on. Ode to Billy Joe. Yes. Not to, to be Billy confused Joe. with Brokeback Mountain. True. And uh, jumped off a bridge. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, I've been holding on to this uh, for a few weeks, and lo and behold, uh, the New York Times comes up with the same deal. Uh, a few weeks ago, the L.A. Times uh, business section will consolidate, it was announced, will consolidate its listings of stocks and mutual funds and introduce a series of features to improve coverage of the Southern California's diverse economy. The daily tables of stocks and mutual funds uh, will be condensed to one page starting uh, March 14th. Uh, I recall, you know, back in 2000, 2001, being asked uh, as an ad guy, one of my clients, uh, what do you think of this island ad that appears in the middle of the stock page? And I said, (laughs) you know, a lot of people are getting their stock prices online, so I don't think it's quite uh, what it once was. It used to be a great way to showcase your ad, but to do that in uh, the days of the Internet, and again, as far back as, you know, 2000, uh, it was something that I certainly was not recommending, but sure, there, but yeah. yet advertisers were still doing that, Ray. Mm-hmm. And here, here, uh, the New York Times now confirmed a rumor that they will begin to uh, uh, no longer be uh, running their uh, stock price listings or cutting back on it. I should say the move comes mm-hmm. as uh, part of the paper's way to seek. Uh, ways of uh, offsetting uh, newsprint prices that are rising, as well as uh, the fact that readers, here it comes a quote, turn increasingly to the Internet for stock prices no. anyway. Really? So, you know, it, well, I think for so long the newspaper had some sucker that would go in there with a, an island ad and would pay uh, a premium for that position. Right. But but now that the newsprint costs are, are going up so high, you can't... Uh, can't expect every sucker that comes along to help you finance that deal. That's Plus, right. nobody's reading it anyway. So, what matter? What does it matter? And if you have uh, stock in McClatchy Company, uh, you'll need <laughs> to think about that. So, l- let's talk about that in just a minute. Yeah. Right now, this is a funny story. Listen, uh, this is Joe Jaffe on the Advertising Show. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view. Join us now for a different perspective, featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. A little bit of fun and irreverence this week. Actually, you get irreverence every week, but a little bit more fun and lighthearted, this particular vignette. Have you heard of a guy by the name of Thad? Well, he's just a normal guy, and he's got a bunch of very sadistic friends who decided to play a joke, a practical joke on him, with the help of TiVo. Essentially what they did is they TiVo'd the lottery results and then the next day invited Thad over and asked him to pick up a lottery ticket on the way. When he arrived, they swapped lottery tickets. But unbeknownst to Thad, his friends had gone and purchased a new lottery ticket with the winning numbers from the night before's drawing. They then sat down, got a couple of beers and watched as the lottery played out 
deja vu all over again, as Yogi Berra would say. Of course, Thad thought he'd won the lottery and made a complete fool of himself. His friends very kindly videotaped the whole affair and stuck it online. And it's just priceless to see Thad's ecstasy turn into agony. But don't worry about it. Thad recovered, and all of his friends were on the Today Show the next morning, so they got their 15 minutes or 15 seconds of fame. But I thought it was a very interesting story, because ultimately what we're seeing here is TiVo and DVR viewing, time-shifting, if you will, playing a part in our lives, actually becoming part of our very pop culture and affecting our consumer behavior, even in this particular case, in quite a sadistic manner. I'm sure we'll see more of these, and I'm sure we haven't seen the last of that. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC, and author of Life After the 32nd Spot. They didn't say whether uh, Thad uh, actually uh, beat the crap out of his friends. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would uh, wouldn't I wouldn't have uh, had a problem with that. That's, that's did you a, that's did you see that in thing. did you no. see it on the t- yeah I saw it and it's interesting. It happened several weeks ago, and our associate producer Stephanie Saratelli uh, knows the told- guy. Yeah. Yes, she oh, knows this guy. guy. Apparently, he went to Texas A and M. It happened up in Dallas. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. And uh, these guys played a joke on him. It was rather funny. Okay, Knight Ritter chain. Uh, they they partied this week. Okay, four point five billion dollar purchase. The McClatchy Company planning to resell twelve of the thirty two daily newspapers. It is acquiring as part of the four point five billion dollar Knight Ritter chain. Hmm. Holy cow! Well, I uh, as think I they said overpaid before, for that. No, no, I don't think so. Not at all. <laughs> Again, I, the Knight Ritter people are eh, having a little party this week, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's gone. I got to tell you, buying a newspaper today, I mean, it, yeah, <laughs> would be like buying a travel agency back in 2000. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Exactly. But, exactly. but uh, I guess somebody has to. Even uh, Murdoch's coming out and talking about how media, traditional media is changing and changing right. his right. world and everyone else's. But that's no news to us, is it? Uh, no, it's not. As a yeah. fact. Hey, Charlie Gibson, Gibson is going to the anchor chair. Uh, to the yeah, place I heard about that. Bob Woodruff and more. Interesting, huh? We've got got, uh, more with our special guest, Jeff Diskin, coming up here in the next two seconds of the advertising show. And a whole bunch more after that, too, as well. So we hope to stay for the uh, the remainder of the hour with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Fruit juicy. Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? Sure. You taste. It's The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest, as promised, Jeff Diskin, Senior Vice President of Brand Performance out of uh, L.A. this weekend at Hilton Hotels. Jeff, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you here. And great to be here, Ray. Well, and you can include me, too, if you okay, like. Okay, Brad, hey. Yeah. Well, on the intros. <laughs> well, you know, he's got to do something. 
<laughs> He's been practicing this all week. Right, hey, uh, right. Jeff, uh, you know, the new campaign, we ended the last hour talking about the new campaign, Take You Places. I would say the entire name Travel should take you places, but if I do that, we're going to have to send you a bill. So I just call it Take You Places campaign. And by the way, if any of our listeners would like to learn more about that, Hilton Journeys, that's with an S, HiltonJourneys.com. You can go online and check all that out. But I'm curious, is it too early to uh, to get any gauge on ROI on that particular campaign? When did you launch that? Uh, we launched it uh, last week in January, and yeah. uh, uh, it's a little bit too early to get the ROI on it. One of the things, though, that's been you – know, we, we set out to try and create that emotional uh, level of appeal to really engage with people on, on about what travel should enable you to do, those points of enlightenment and and empowerment-like. And we, we – it was kind of strange. You know, we have a lot of reservation centers and corporate offices here, and we were averaging about 10, 15 calls a day just out of the blue from people – calling to say, you know, they saw the campaign and it was really moving for them. And one of the ones that I saved, a voice message, somebody didn't actually even uh, leave a, a return number, just said that she hadn't smiled in months. She'd lost somebody recently, but she saw oh, one of sweet. our ad campaigns and it was the first time that she'd smiled in, in quite a while. So we feel that it's done a great deal in terms of energizing uh, the customer base and it's done a nice job in energizing the, the people that work for Hilton. Now, we are seeing so, though, that, you know, we're going to get the ROI and the new connections and, you know, hopefully the bookings eventually. But this campaign is really about changing people's perceptions. People know what Hilton is a hotel, but they may not know is that, you know, all the great things that we have in the hotel in terms of being able to, to, to help them accomplish why they, they travel. And then at the same time, <clears throat> you know, remind them what travel should enable them to do. It's, well, that, you know, begs the question then, gauging an ROI, I hope your, your uh, people that you have to answer to are not all tied up with uh, uh, reservations and sales and so forth, because when you have uh, brand objectives such as you describe, how, how, do you, how do you put an ROI? It certainly doesn't sound like it, though, Well, I mean, you know, we, we, obviously we have to measure ourselves in terms of how effectively we do in driving business, and but that's not singularly a component of the advertising. Uh, the advertising is designed to give people a reason to reconsider or to try out or to explore. And we do have several measures. You know, we use Brand Asset Valuator, which is a traditional measure of awareness, differentiation, <clears throat> and the like. Um, and we actually also become very uh, uh, interested in uh, brand energy, which is a, uh, a metric that YNR brands are using now, which really measure how much innovation, how much thought leadership, how dynamic your brand is, and they have developed some research tools that they can measure that, and they, they do measure some 2,800 brands across a variety of industries, and we do expect to see that our brand is picking up momentum in the brand energy categories, as well as, you know, brand esteem and brand equity in the traditional ways that they're measured, and if it does all those things, and that billion dollars that we've invested in our in improving our hotels and uh, you know, really engaging with our customers and having that empathy for them, we'll, we'll get more business. Sounds a lot um, like... If, if we don't, I, you know, I, I don't know what else you can do. <laughs> sounds a lot like what uh, Patrick Meyer talks about, the now and not now uh, brand uh, meter. Right, Brad? Well, I guess the, you know, let's talk a little bit about brand loyalty and shift gears here, Jeff. Uh, do you find, you know, I was reading an article the other day about how uh, young people today are uh, much less brand loyal than, than us uh, baby boomers. And I'm saying us, I don't know your age, Jeff, but uh, talk <laughs> about brand loyalty. Did you find that consumers today are, are more or less brand loyal? Well, I am a boomer, but I would say I think people are as brand loyal as they've ever been, but I think that 
that the brand loyalty is a lot more tenuous now. It used to be that you, you, your, your brand loyalty was cemented and, you know, you, you, it was just going to be a long time before you'd ever have a reason to reconsider. I think today people have a lot more information at their disposal. They can be a lot more informed as consumers. And uh, there's, you know, not to mention that clearly the emerging generation does a whole bunch of things about communicating, you know, in text messaging and, and the like where there's almost instant feedback on how things went. So that's why... Our focus in what we've done with Reigniting Hilton is about the experience. You know, by if we can create a, a unique guest experience that really driving the, the guest towards what they wanted to accomplish, whether that was, you know, sightseeing or reconnecting with their family or being productive for a business day or job interviews, those are the things that will enable us to be successful. How we then can market ourselves, you know, it has to be ways that are relevant and contemporary, but we, we need to mix kind of the sense of what's familiar and the experience promises in a way that that in the communications brings it all together where somebody says, this is a hotel company that gets me, and it's paid off when they then explore our website or when they stay in our hotel because the experience delivers that. So the frequent uh, guest program going to be taking less of a, a major role for Hilton in the future? Well, I don't think so. I mean, you know, the frequent guest programs have really become such a staple in our industry. People expect to be rewarded for their stays, and if they stay frequently, they expect to be get additional recognition or you know, benefits uh, uh, when they stay in the hotel. And so that's always going to continue. But you do want to have an ability, and especially in the environment we were just describing, where the people that don't stay that frequently still have an ability and a reason to want to choose your brand. And, mm -hmm. and that's going to come through, uh, through the experience and through your ability to connect with them. Well, uh, Ray, what do we have, a few minutes left here? A couple minutes, Brad. Yeah, uh, you know, I would think that, uh, you know, frequent guest programs are kind of like, uh, I don't know, a drug. After a while, you know, after a while you get, you know, are you giving away uh, profits that you may have had uh, already? Because, you know, Hilton is a great brand, and I would imagine people begin to, after they get hooked into that experience, they come back not because of the points uh, or but the... But because of the experience. Right? Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well... There is that true, but I, I can tell you that, you know, you, you, there is a sense that when your, your loyalty program members are very loyal, I mean, they just want to go because they got to, they'll do, it's surprising what people will do to get the points, but there's a couple of factors in that, that, that if you have, bigger is better in the loyalty programs. If you have more places for people to stay, more places for them to earn points and then to use them when they've, in fact, got an opportunity to use them, that's, you know, people will consolidate. They may prefer somebody else's services or prefer another you know, entity, but if, if they're not big enough to, in fact, offer them that wherever they go, they can find a hotel at their price point, they're not going to choose that. So in our case, having some 2,700 hotels around the globe, we're big enough and have all the price points covered off where they can consolidate with us. And then the second part is that the loyalty program gives you an avenue to have a more personal relationship with our folks. They have profiles built so that they can tell us exactly what they want to do and you know, how, make it very simple for them to check in, to make reservations, to check out, to, you know, to get their, if you're a business traveler, to, to get an email with your, your folio on it so you can just plug it right into your expense report. These are all types of things that where the, the loyalty program is, is based on the reward, but it does give you an opportunity to have a more one-on-one -on -one relationship for that particular individual. So, and that's one of something we use the, the loyalty program members for. And honor, our honors members, we also use for just evaluation of what products should we have in hotels, which way should we steer the actual programs and services themselves. So, yeah, it's a little bit like a drug, uh, but you know, you don't have to just. Uh, 
sit on the corner with it, <laughs> you, can, you Jeff, can actually turn it into something that, that drives you forward. We're going to take a break here on the Advertising Show. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. The most powerful element of selling is actually asking. So if you know that questions are critical, why are you spending more time watching TV reruns than you are developing new questions? Note, I just asked you a question. If you know that questions are critical, why don't you have a list of 25 questions that you're certain that your prospect has not heard before and more certain that your competition is not asking? The more thought-provoking your questions, the more your prospective buyer will respect you. The higher that respect level is, the more likely they are to be truthful with you and give you insight into the key factors that will determine the sale, their key buying motives. They will also begin to share truth about how the decision is made. Not who makes it, how the decision is made. Every minute you're in front of a prospect, they're deciding how much they like you, how much they believe you, how much they respect you, how much confidence they have in you, and how much they trust you. You know, you're trying to qualify the prospect. Guess what? They're qualifying you. And all of these factors determine whether or not they're going to buy from you. A sale will always be made. Either you sell them on yes or they sell you on no. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. A woman here? Never. A woman's world has really grown. Most places now she calls around. On The Advertising Show, Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, our special guest out of Los Angeles is Jeff Diskin, uh, Senior Vice President of Brand Performance of the Hilton Hotels and also a budding actor. Uh, Jeff will now do his impersonation of Ricardo Montalban. Go ahead, Jeff. It's your big chance. All right. Uh, this is uh, Star Trek Two. He tasks me, and I shall have him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, fine, Corinthian hey, leather. It was yeah. better when you did it. Oh, yeah, yeah. it really was. Uh, <laughs> Thank God for editing. Hey, Jeff, we'll give you a call, okay? All right, yeah, thanks. Uh, no, uh, back to the real interview on the show, and uh, welcome back, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about some announcements recently. In uh, late last year, December '05, Hilton Hotel Corporation announced that it was going to be buying a, a lodging unit of Britain's uh, Hilton Group, uh, reuniting the business and to fuel growth overseas. Talk a little bit about this expansion, and I'm also curious, is the Hilton brand as strong internationally as it is here in the U.S.? Um, well, I'll answer the last question first. It, it, is, it is probably stronger uh, in uh, the Asia markets. Uh, Hilton is runs one and two with Hyatt, and in Europe it's actually one and two with uh, Sheraton. But in every geography that we have hotels, we actually are the first or second hotel by uh, 
some of the standard measures there called BDRC. Um, but the, the that transaction is kind of a funny story that uh, the Hilton brand was, had two individuals completely separate owners uh, since 1964, actually, when uh, the international development and naming rights and branding rights uh, were sold off to TWA. And so uh, it's kind of a... Uh, uh, sorry comes full circle where now that uh, the Hilton brand will be reunited as well as reignited uh, around the globe. Uh, what it does enable us to do is take some of the other brands that the Hilton Hotels Corporation operates in the, the U.S. primarily and, and export them to the rest of the world. So things like Hilton Garden Inn, Hampton Inns, and Homewood Suites by Hilton, those are all brands along with Doubletree and Embassy that we're looking at potentially moving elsewhere in the world. And obviously, you know, I don't think anybody's really as prepared you know, is better uh, uh, prepared, I guess, uh, than, than Hilton in terms of global development because it is an iconic name that's that's known to mean hotel worldwide and it means yeah, well, excellence in hospitality. Certainly. Well, you know, a lot of people certainly uh, here in the U.S. know the Hilton name. Some may not may be surprised to know that Hilton owns Hampton and Hilton Garden Inn, though, of course, you'd know that by the front end of that name, but uh, MB- Embassy Suite. don't. Well, that's true. But uh, Embassy Suites, I think, would be another surprise to many, uh, many uh, people out there, many consumers. But I'm curious, when you when you decide to take uh, those brand names, uh, Hampton Inn and Embassy Suites in particular, uh, uh, overseas to other countries that may not know the brand name as well as we do here in the U.S., uh, any any particular thoughts on uh, as you expand overseas with those brands about maybe changing uh, the name or altering the name or partnering with some uh, uh, organizations over there in uh, well, in think, Europe. I think yeah. the the thought would be is that we might do a you know a by endorsement kind of uh, branding exercise. So it might be Hampton Inn by Hilton, mm-hmm. or Embassy Suites by Hilton, or Embassy Suites Hilton. Mm-hmm. And it's not unlike what we use to to get the Hilton Garden Inn brand off the the ground in the U.S. It, it's only been around for ten years now, and we have uh, more than two hundred and fifty of them. And it originally was very big Hilton and small Garden Inn. Uh, now it's it's well, it's almost evolved to being Garden Inn by Hilton, so it stands on its own. You, you do want to be careful, as you know, described earlier, about you know ensuring that the the brand doesn't create any confusion in what you know guests and travelers can expect from those brands. Mm-hmm. But in terms of giving it uh, that sense of place that can come about with being known as being part of the Hilton organization, we will probably do some endorsement in different markets where we choose to expand. You know, I would think uh, anyone that's traveled throughout Europe, uh, you, you come away with a feeling that there's not a, a lot of variety uh, when it comes to accommodations uh, throughout Europe in particular. You, you find that there's more of a, I don't know, a dichotomy as the, the luxury hotels and then there's the, the lesser bed and breakfast style uh Hostile-type accommodations, and, and very little in between. I, I'm curious if that's a, a fair assumption or, or a description. Well, I don't, uh, what, why, well, if it's not, let's talk a little bit about it. Well, I don't that. know if it's, that's inaccurate or not. I could tell you, though, that it's very hard to get into those, those places in Europe with the, the brands that we operate and to be able to be consistent. So much of what our brands are are about the physical facility. And so I think we, we envision that most of our, our global expansion will occur in places like India and in China and then also in uh, potentially Eastern Europe where there's still room to develop and grow the brands from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, we will potentially look at conversion opportunities in places like Europe, but again, it's got to be where we can feel comfortable that we'll be able to deliver on the brand promise because, you know, part of the whole global expansion is to be able to deliver the portfolio value, you know, the price 
points of all of our different brands, but have the reassurance of Hilton. And if you can't do that in the physical boxes or the locations that are available in Western Europe today, then, then we're not going to go there. Well, yeah, real quickly, let's shift gears. The, the Winter Olympics just concluded in uh, Torino, and we all know that. In particular, your involvement, uh, Hilton's involvement, with the U.S. Olympic Training Center in the Colorado Springs, where you guys uh, teamed up with a interesting uh, partner to design some quarters. Talk a little bit about that, Jeff. Well, the idea there was uh, we became Olympic sponsors in January of uh, 05, and we quickly wanted to do some things that would really make an, an impact for the athletes. And one of the things that we were able to do was to uh, make over the Colorado Springs a training facility where the permanent residents of the uh, training team for the Olympics, uh, for the U.S. team, actually train. And there were about 180 rooms that we made over. Uh, we put in our beds and blackout drapes and shower curtains and our Hilton clock, you know, which includes an MP3 jack and, and the like. And the idea was to ensure the athletes were at their peak level of personal performance and then also to be able to then tell our guests that they could sleep in the same beds that uh, that our Olympic athletes in training were sleeping which, in. Which could be interesting. Uh, well, not at the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah, Thanks for clearing that. <laughs> Sorry about and that. Jeff, uh, we're out of time. On that note, what is, what is Sam note? Well, that's okay. We'll clear this up. Back in just a minute with more on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And thanks, Jeff. Thank you. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. There's nothing like the face of a kid eating a Hershey bar. A healthy Hershey bar all mm-hmm. over his face. There we go. Uh, Zits. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think they ever. Well, they used to say that. that. I know. Didn't I know, they? I know. Yeah. That just is something different, okay? Just try to keep you from having too much chocolate too so much your Hershey parents would you. tell you you'd get zits from that. What, what's the deal going on with Barry Bonds? Uh, this is this is interesting. Uh, 708 uh, career home runs. Bonds primed this season to overtake Babe as the number two all-time home run hitter has an mm-hmm. outside chance of replacing Hank Aaron. However, widespread allegations of Bond steroid use have basically screwed that up big time, mm-hmm. including a new book that purports to detail his cheating regimen will make marketing uh, the run for the record an awkward proposition. Mm-hmm. Well, how about that? Yeah. Kind of, you know, they kind of stopped that kind of stopped the whole Barry Bonds machine in its tracks, didn't it? I think so. Uh, yeah. So, isn't it a shame that that even has to come into play nowadays? Yeah, it really is a shame. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Are you a big fan of the circus, Ray? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can appreciate. I think Cirque du Soleil does a good job. Right. I think that uh, uh, the ring. You're going to talk about Ringling Brothers, Barnum right. Bailey uh, doing right. a new campaign. No. Well, actually, I'm going to talk about branded entertainment. Now, we've all heard and seen about branded entertainment with the radio and with the television programs and movies and so forth. But soon you will hear about branded entertainment becoming a part of the greatest show on earth. Ringling Brothers, you're right, Ray. Ringling Brothers mm-hmm. and Barnum and Bailey have uh, uh, tapped a place-based media rep uh, firm uh, called Media Place right. to begin pitching national markets, uh, national marketers on tie-ins and product placement deals associated with the world's most famous circus. I agree with you. I like Cirque du Soleil, but uh, as children, they like this thing. I think Cirque du Soleil is more of a an adult. Uh, uh, 
circus. But uh, in any event, the deal is part of an ambitious program to re-engineer and reimagine the circus, now entering its 136th season. Some of the changes include both, uh, well, this is sad. They're going to change it from a three-ring circus to a one-ring circus, so you can't use that slogan, uh, that slang anymore. What is this, a three-ring circus? Yeah, right. Uh, now you'll say, what is this, a one-ring circus? Right. But uh, uh, they'll also include large digital video uh, screens as part of the interactive experience for participants. But if they're going to do branded entertainment, Ray, what are you seeing? Uh, monkeys on little motorcycles tying in with Domino's pizza delivery or something, or what? Well, you never know, I suppose. Yeah? I don't know. The what, what, what does a circus do beyond plugging into some of the radio stations and doing some uh, uh, doing some TV and and local radio when they come in for the town? local markets? Yeah, yeah you're right. Local markets. There's nothing. What, really. I, I think Viacom Outdoor could use the side of an elephant for a billboard. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not a bad <laughs> idea, actually. No, it's actually kind of cool when the circus does come to town. They yes. have the uh, the trains. Right. You see the the cars of trains, and that that really is there is a neat mystique to an old time. Three ring or one ring circus, right? Uh, but a three I, ring or that's funny. But I, I yeah. but, but I think it's it's good that they're at least trying to do something different. That's mm-hmm. all. Well, after 136 years, you have to reinvent yourself. And there's an old joke about the circus and the guy that cleans cleans up the uh, the elephant manure at the end of every uh, day. And the uh, and if you know that joke, then you know the the punchline is just simply what and give up show business. <laughs> but if you know that joke, then there's the punchline. Okay, that's good. That's a good. Joke. Do you know the joke? No, I don't. <laughs> I'll tell you off the air. Okay, that's a good thing too. Yeah. Hey, there's a study out that says kids remember TV ads more than TV shows. Wow. It's interesting. A public affairs program that airs daily in more than 350,000 U.S. classrooms apparently isn't reaching its intended audience. According to the study uh, in Pediatrics Magazine, the Channel One program airs 10 minutes of news and public affairs and two minutes of commercials or public service announcements daily. Students Mm -hmm. surveyed by the publication had a stronger recall of the ads and programming itself, researchers found. That Mm -hmm. doesn't surprise me. No. Uh, Let's see what it says. Um... Schools at uh, Air Channel One programming received thirty thousand bucks worth of audio visual equipment to show the daily uh, news program to students. Uh, the publication noted in its findings that on average students remembered more ads from Channel One than news stories. I wonder what those ads were, though. Uh, they didn't. They don't say here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because the, that uh, that that uh, network that they've strung together is eight million students that will see that uh, Channel One network that you're talking about, Ray, and. Uh, you know, does it surprise you? It doesn't surprise me that uh, students would be more interested in the commercials than they would be the uh, content of the program because the content of the program, back when you and I went to school, it was when the uh, teacher would run a little, uh, you know, a little uh, film or whatever within the class. And, you know, as soon as the lights go down, I don't know about you, my head went down. I took a little nap. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Except for your sex education class, I understand. Oh, no. Like I was on the front row then. There you go. Okay. Uh, we actually bought the DVD to run here at the office uh, of that, uh, that thing. It's kind of cool. It's a bit <laughs> Seriously. Uh, more to come. We'll tell you about who's going to be on the show next week. His name is Brian. Okay, that's all we'll tell you right now. We'll be back with more in just a minute on the Advertising Show. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. You're at the top secret high karate training school. These trainees 
are learning how to defend themselves in case they get a high karate gift set for Christmas. Our guests smell good on the advertising show. Of course, they're wearing high karate, okay, and Hanes, no, and staying at the Hilton Hotels. Thanks to uh, Jeff today. Uh, HiltonHotels.com, and uh, go check it out. A lot of innovative and new cool stuff, and, of course, they've got a great brand already, which is wonderful. Yep. Brian Steinberg is the advertising columnist of the Wall Street Journal. If you've listened to the show before, you know that Brian has been on the show before. Yeah. And it's always a great interview, so we will uh, bring him back uh, next weekend yeah, here at the TheAdvertisingShow.com. That's a peek into the future of... The advertising show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, Time is looking at uh, Time magazine, looking mm-hmm. uh, how political ads, how will political ads try to shape your opinion in the 08 presidential election? That's a no-brainer. What new drugs will be on the market next year? Where will NASA or where will NASA go next or go again? Uh, why is NASCAR developing a car that's of all things a little bit slower than the current models? And uh, Time magazine is tackling in what's next. It's uh, this past week's special report that offers a sneak peek into the, what the future may hold. Uh, NASA has a new ship. I don't know whether you saw that. It's a new vehicle. It looks like the Apollo spacecraft, but it's bigger, okay? It will no longer um, land on water. It will land on land. Uh, let's see. Uh, Is it a Hummer? No. <laughs> no. no. Actually, that would be really cool if it was a Hummer, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, now, medical marvels in the world of medicine uh, look for advances in molecular biology and... Uh, uh, what else? To increase uh, odds that uh, compounds dreamed up by scientists make it from the lab to the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking for the presidential stuff. They don't say where that is. Um, oh, here it is. Well, the, while the 2004 president, uh, presidential election was dominated by TV ads and traditional fundraising techniques, count on big changes in 2008. From now on, Republican Party chief uh, Ken Melman uh, says a smart candidate will reach you through your cell phone, your friends, the organizations you belong to, and the websites you visit. Hmm. So beware where yeah. you go, as always, on the web. That's interesting. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember when we had Lars Bastholm, yes, uh, executive, yeah, executive creative director at AKQA, which is a great, uh, a great interne- uh, creative, uh, technology yeah. uh, agency? Well, they recently announced uh, that they have won their largest account ever, uh, the interactive design contract for USPS, that's United States Postal Service, dot com. Oh, the agency has been tapped to maintain and update the USPS current flagship site and develop a plan to redesign the entire website experience. The win is a share of the $55 million contract. So congratulations to AKQA and, of course, Lars, a former guest here on the show. <laughs> they, they have their work cut out for them. That's all i got to say. Yeah. Andy Borowitz is with us now on The Advertising Show. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. Homeland Security Chief Michael Chertoff suffered another embarrassment this past week when he accidentally locked himself out of the Homeland Security Department's headquarters in Washington, D.C. After security guards entrusted with protecting the Homeland Security building complained that the building itself was not secure, Secretary Chertoff ordered that the headquarters be outfitted with a new security system, but then forgot the security code necessary to gain entry. Unfortunately, Chertoff is the only one who knew the security code And he forgot it, one source said. He also had a secret question which could be used to retrieve the security code, but he forgot that too. As of this past Friday afternoon, Mr. Chartoff was still standing outside the building waiting to gain entry after a locksmith who was called turned out to be from Dubai 
and had to be sent away. Mr. Chertoff also declined Vice President Dick Cheney's offer to shoot off the lock on the building for fear that Mr. Cheney might hit the Department of Agriculture building across the street. On Capitol Hill, news that the nation's highest-ranking Homeland Security official had locked himself out of his own building drew criticism from Senator Joseph Biden. Michael Chertoff's secret question should be, how the heck did I get this job? For his part, Mr. Chertoff tried to put the best face on the situation, telling reporters that the nation might actually be safer with him outside the Department of Homeland Security rather than inside. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from The Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. Well, that's disturbing, but I guess it's okay. He's outside, <laughs> and he's fine. And, you know, it's spring pretty soon, so it'll <laughs> be okay. Uh, yeah. Andy's funny. No. You think so? I think so. Yeah. 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 He's funny. Did you uh, tell me you saw him on CNN the other day? Yeah, he made an appearance uh, yeah. giving some humor to the morning show. Mm-hmm. Well, they're trying really hard with that CNN's American Morning as well. Uh, Struggling, aren't they? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen ratings, are they? Yeah, well, I can't say that. I don't know that I agree with the moves that they made with, uh, you know, jettisoning uh, Hemmer. Uh, right, exactly. he's now over at Fox. He Although doesn't look right that, over the there. The guy that replaced him is uh, uh, is good. He's a nice, you know, hospitable morning host and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, he's all right. And then they got rid of. Uh, well, I understand that uh, the old man. Uh, no, not him, Jack Cafferty, but uh, O'Brien, Soledad. No, they didn't get rid of her. That's what I'm saying. I understand they kept her. They kept her, right. Got rid of Hemmer. Hemmer's over at Fox now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look right over there. He looks like a fish out of water. Really? And then, you, then you've got uh, Jack Cafferty, who's pissed off no matter where he is. Yeah, he's, he's been around the block way too many times. Okay? He's angry. Yeah. But he's on, I saw uh, Cafferty on with uh, doing a little deal with uh, uh, Wolf. Wolf Blitzer? Yeah. Oh, okay. He he weighs in with Wolf because uh, Wolf's kind of he's he's got a little bit of a you know uh, chip on his shoulder as well. Wolf. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> when you've been in the trenches that long, I guess that just is, goes with the territory. But the guy you're thinking of that, uh, that you didn't mention with uh, with uh, uh, Soledad is Miles. Miles O'Brien, and I like yeah. Miles. Miles has a nice presentation, but they're doing weird stuff with the show. They have. They have, like, uh, the uh, the director coming in. You could hear him say, okay, go to black in three, two. Really? What are you guys doing? But why, why both, why two O'Briens up there now? I don't know. I don't know. O'Brien and O'Brien. O'Brien and O'Brien. That's good stuff. Yeah. Brian Steinberg may have the answer to that next week here at the Advertising Show. He's the advertising columnist at the Wall Street Journal, and we hope that uh, you'll tune in for that uh, as well. Jeff Diskin, thanks again. Out of Los Angeles, uh, the Hilton Hotel chain. And that's Hilton.com. So uh, we hope you had a good time today. Remember, go to theadvertisingshow.com. Well, wait, you're probably there already. And uh, check out all the things we have to show as well. The Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online. You can visit them at adage.com. So go there, too. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production.